Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Charts with Dan. It's the first show of the new year in the studio here. I was on the road last week, and thanks, everybody, for being patient with my temporary setup. We've got a lot to get to. Of course, the continued box office dominance of Avatar The Way of Water, both domestically and worldwide, and the debut of Megan. Before we talk about any of that, though, I want to thank my partner here on the show, as always, Carbon Health. We are into the new year, but it's the same cold and flu season, and Carbon Health offers so many essential things like vaccinations and flu shots, etc. Check the Carbon Health app right now to see if there is a location near you. You can now use it in states like California and Massachusetts as your primary care provider. Or if you're not near a Carbon Health location, you can also use the Carbon Health app for telehealth. Carbon Health keeps appointments open every day for walk-ins because they know that you don't always know ahead of time if you're going to have to go and see the doctor. And I'm happy to be partnered up with them because they have a mission, which is to provide health care to as many people as possible as affordably as possible. So I'm always happy to have them on board and look forward to a productive 2023 with Carbon Health as a sponsor of the show. And let's look at a productive weekend at the box office. It was a good note to start on for 2023, a year where we're really looking to make some big gains in the box office recovery after a largely lackluster back half of 2022. At number one for a fourth week in a row was Avatar The Way of Water, another strong hold, a 32% drop in its fourth week for a $45.8 million total. A lot more to come about Avatar in just a few minutes. Megan, or M3GAN, or whatever you want to call it, had a stronger-than-anticipated debut weekend. $30.4 million. It was one of those weekends where the estimates kept going up every time they were revising the figures. One of those things where you can't track enthusiasm. There was a lot of enthusiasm to go see Megan. It was produced on a $12 million budget, reportedly. That's the Blumhouse special, although there's a lot of back-end deals and stuff that have to get cut for that. But still, no shocker, there's reportedly a Megan sequel already in the works off of this very strong debut, $30.4 million. That tops what Scream debuted to last January, and we'll see if the legs hold out, if this could be a potential surprise early year $100 million-plus grocer. Holding well in third place is Puss in Boots' The Last Wish, dropping 19.5% in its third week, doing what holiday movies do, which is leg out. It's at about $88 million. It should cross the $100 million threshold domestically at some point this week. Expanding into many, many more theaters than last weekend is Tom Hanks and A Man Called Otto, which came in fourth place with a $4.2 million total, a 7,369.8% jump in business. It will be going into wide release this upcoming weekend, so you could see an even bigger jump in business, maybe not by percentage, but certainly by dollar amount. Black Panther Wakanda Forever enjoying a late surge in its ninth week, a 31.5% drop, and a finish in the top five with $3.5 million. In sixth place is the Whitney Houston biopic I Want to Dance with Somebody with a 38.6% drop and a $2.4 million total. Staying in seventh place is The Whale, which is continuing to make a slow crawl towards wide release, a 9.4% increase in business in week five, and 1.5 million dollar total. Babylon continues to drop in eighth place, a 45.6% drop in week three with a 1.4 million dollar total. Violent Night, we're losing a lot of interest in the Santa Claus violence genre, which is not shocking. 66.6% drop in its sixth week and a total of just over $706,000. And then at number 10, a movie that is starting to make its way onto streaming and VOD, 
is the menu in its eighth week with a 37.7% drop and a $685,000 total. It is the second longest tenured movie in the top 10 behind Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Dropping out of the top 10 this week, two movies that had been in the top 10 for six weeks, not in release, but had been in the top 10 for six weeks, The Fablemans from Steven Spielberg and Strange World from Disney. Two movies that I think many people would have expected a stronger financial performance from, although to a much higher degree with Strange World, which will lose a massive amount of money for Disney. So the number one story, as we knew it would be, or as I think most people knew it would be, that understands how James Cameron movies generally work, is Avatar The Way of Water. And something that we started looking at last week was this movie's performance when you compare it to the first Avatar movie's performance back in 2009. Not directly necessarily in the sense that we're going to judge the sequel by the movie's performance as far as how well it's doing, but really about what its box office earning potential is and what its final total may be domestically. So let's look First of all, at a day-by-day comparison of Avatar and Avatar The Way of Water. The original Avatar is on the bottom there in blue. Avatar The Way of Water is the top line there in orange. And you see that day-by-day, Avatar The Way of Water continues to earn more than the original film did at the same time in its release. After its 24th day of release, Avatar had made just over $400 million, whereas The Way of Water is now over the $500 million mark domestically. Now, of course, this is not adjusted for inflation, so it's no surprise that Avatar The Way of Water is tracking ahead of a movie that came out over a decade ago. But the question now is just how far is The Way of Water going to go? And is it going to be able to match that $760 million gross from 2009 that the original Avatar was able to achieve. That's why I also like to look at this chart. This is a chart of the two movies' performances when you adjust for inflation. And here you see after about a week that the original Avatar overtook Avatar The Way of Water. And when I'm looking at where the new Avatar film, the sequel, is going to land, I look at that widening gulf between Avatar on top there in blue and Avatar The Way of Water in orange. And the fact that those lines are getting further apart as we go, what that says to me is that The Way of Water isn't going to quite lag out the way that the first movie did. Not that it's a problem. It's still going to make a lot of money, which we're going to talk about in just a second. But when we talk about how far is this movie going to go, I still don't think that it's going to make as much money unadjusted for inflation as the first Avatar film. I think it's going to get close. $600 million, it's going to hit that. It is going to make $600 million domestically. I think it's going to be on the top 10 grocers of all time. It only needs about $100 million more domestically to do that. It's going to make that list. The big question becomes, is it going to make that $700 million total? I think that it's very possible that it does. But looking at the performance so far, I still think that it's going to be close But that Top Gun Maverick at over $715 million is going to be, when the books are written, the highest grossing domestic film of 2022, and Avatar The Way of Water is going to be a close second. That's what I think is going to happen. When it comes to this amount of money, to be frank, it doesn't really matter. It's a hit film. It's going to continue to be a hit film, and it's posting up record numbers. When we look at the highest grossing fourth weekends, fourth wide weekends domestic, so the fourth weekend in wide release, the original film Avatar in 2009 puts up the best number ever, and these are not adjusted 
for inflation with $50.3 million, but Avatar The Way of Water putting up the second best fourth weekend in wide release with $45.8 million, then Top Gun Maverick at $44.6 million, Star Wars The Force Awakens at $42.3 million, and Black Panther at $40.8 million. If you were going to adjust these numbers for inflation, The Way of Water would drop down to about eighth, and James Cameron's Titanic would jump up to number two. So if you adjust for inflation, the two best fourth weekends in wide release, number one, James Cameron Avatar, number two, James Cameron Titanic. That's just how good those movies were at the box office. This is the 2022 domestic box office, and keeping in mind on this chart and for the record books, any money that's made in 2023 still carries over to the box office for 2022. We will see in just a few minutes what a chart looks like for the year when you look at all revenue in 2023. But looking at the movies released in 2022, you see now that Avatar The Way of Water is about $201 million behind Top Gun Maverick for that number one spot. Again, I think it's going to be close. I think you could even see Avatar The Way of Water getting to $700 million dollars but I th I just think that Maverick's gonna keep it I don't know something I just intuition whatever you want to call it I think that Top Gun Maverick is gonna keep that number one spot with Avatar the Way of Water number two Black Panther Wakanda Forever is still at number three it will remain at number three it's not gonna catch the Way of Water but 439.6 million dollars and then four through ten we've been talking about them all year that's probably gonna stay the same unless Puss in Boots really has the long legs and is able to get up there in that number 10 spot with 167.8 million dollars but i think that these are likely your 10 these are likely your top 10 movies for 2022 and then we're just going to be watching avatar forever to see if it is able to overtake top gun maverick domestically but one thing that we already do know is that avatar the way of water has overtaken top gun maverick worldwide to become the highest grossing movie of 2022 worldwide that happened this past week you see in the last week that not only has avatar the way of water eclipsed top gun maverick it's eclipsed 1.5 and 1.6 billion. It now stands at 1.713 billion dollars, the highest grossing movie of 2022 worldwide. And really there are two worldwide things left to look for when it comes to the way of water. Number 1, if it makes another 200 million dollars worldwide, it will vault over Spider-Man No Way Home to become the highest grossing movie of the decade, basically the highest grossing movie of the 2020s since theater closures and everything else. And then the next thing to watch for is is how is it going to be doing on the worldwide all-time box office? It's already on the chart. If we look here, these are the highest grossing movies of all time worldwide. Avatar The Way of Water is now number seven. Furious 7 is out of the top 10. The Avengers is now number 10. 2019's The Lion King is number nine. Jurassic World is number eight. Avatar The Way of Water is number seven. And here's one of those goals. If it makes another $200 million, it overtakes Spider-Man No Way Home for number six. It becomes the highest grossing film of the 2020s at the worldwide box office. And then if it can get past $2 billion, then it doesn't have too far to go to eclipse both Infinity War and The Force Awakens to get up as high as number four. Now, could it get up to number three to be the third highest grossing film of all time worldwide at $2.2 billion? Well, there are a couple things that are standing in its way. Number one, if it doesn't quite have those same legs as the other Avatar films did or as other James Cameron movies have, then it may have a little bit of trouble making another half billion dollars worldwide. The other thing being, Titanic will be coming back to theaters in about a month's time. And so any lead that Avatar The Way of Water might get over Titanic at the worldwide box office, I think would be pretty slim if it were to eclipse $2.2 billion. And I think it's very likely that Titanic could get that lead back 
back with its re-release. So this is an interesting thing to watch, both with Avatar in relation to Spider-Man No Way Home and with Avatar in relation to that $2 billion threshold. Although Avatar has been breezing through all of these different landmarks at the worldwide box office, so it may just keep going the way it's going. We don't really quite know, but the thing that's been interesting is this talk about, well, how profitable is the film? There were some reports that the $1.4 billion mark just about was break-even for the movie, and there were a lot of people saying like, well, wait a minute, James Cameron said that this movie had to make $2 billion to break even. And you probably saw the headlines because it was about two months ago or a month and a half ago, and there was a flood of headlines. James Cameron says Avatar's going to make $2 billion. James Cameron says... No, that's not exactly what he said, and it's another example of the story and the quote behind the story. Because what James Cameron said in an interview was that the movie was very effing expensive, and that in order to break even, you would have to be the fourth or fifth most successful movie of all time. And people looked at the charts and said, well, numbers four and five made $2 billion. James Cameron just said that Avatar had to make $2 billion to break even. What he didn't really say that. It, it seemed to me like kind of an offhanded remark. I doubt that James Cameron was sitting there with the box office chart in front of him and a slide ruler and deciding exactly how much money. I think he's like, I don't know. I mean, you have to be pretty successful. The fourth or fifth highest grossing movie of all time. He didn't even specify whether that was domestic or worldwide. So this whole $2 billion thing was really extrapolated from a quote that didn't seem to have a whole lot of research behind it. So for everybody saying that Avatar is still not a success because it hasn't made $2 billion, because James Cameron said it had to make $2 billion, it is and he didn't. Avatar The Way of Water has broken even. It is making money. It is a hit. It is a big hit. Now, money doesn't equal quality, but the fact of the matter is that Avatar The Way of Water is a global smash and will continue to be, and we will continue tracking it here in the weeks and months to come. The other thing that I wanted to talk about was Megan. It was the other big box office story this weekend, a stronger-than-anticipated $30 million debut. A lot of people have pegged it in the low 20s, but the trailer was a big hit. There were dances and the TikTok trends, which also seems to have helped Wednesday on Netflix. Social media really playing a big part in interest, driving interest for this movie. And let's look at where Megan ranked, not at the box office, Office, but when you look at killer doll movie openings, so these are evil or possessed or haunted dolls, and you see that Megan there is right in the middle behind Annabelle, which debuted to $37.1 million. It's superior sequel, Annabelle Creation, which debuted to $35 million. Then you have Megan there at number three with $30.4 million. Then the third Annabelle film, Annabelle Comes Home, at number four with $20.2 million. And 2019's Child's Play remake at number five with $14 million. But because I like to put things in context and really just to get rid of that child's play remake from the top five let's look at killer doll openings when you adjust for inflation and adjusted for today's inflation the top three remain the same annabelle at number one 46.6 million dollars annabelle creation at number two 42.5 million dollars megan at number three 30.4 million dollars then child's play two making a big play up from the 90s 24.4 million and annabelle comes home at number five with 23.6 million dollars. So anyway, you cut it, Megan holding her own when it comes to the killer doll genre, although not one of the five biggest openings in January. If you're looking at the biggest movie openings for the month of January, it fell about $10 million short. American Sniper is the biggest January opening weekend of all time with $89.2 million, followed by 2020's Bad Boys for Life, $62.5 million. A lot of people forget that 2020 got off to a great start at the box office before everything just came tumbling down. Ride Along 
is at number three with 41.5 million. Kung Fu Panda 3 at number four with 41.2 million. And then M. Night Shyamalan's Glass opening at $40.3 million. Hard to imagine in today's box office climate that Glass would open to over $40 million. Of course, again, I like to put things into context and adjust for inflation. And when you adjust the January numbers for inflation, American Sniper remains number one with over $112.1 million. Bad Boys for Life remains number two with $71.8 million. Star Wars, the 1997 special edition, when you adjust for inflation, comes in third place with $66.6 million. At number four is Cloverfield with $55.3 million, and then right along in fifth place with $52.2 million. And all of these stories, Avatar The Way of Water's continued success, Megan's better than expected debut, puts us in good position to start the year. This is the chart, as I mentioned last week, of the 2015 through 2019 average, and then the average of 2021 and 2022 after theaters were back open. And you can't see, because it's a line graph, you can't see exactly how this week performed, but it's pretty much right between the average from before the pandemic 2015 to 2019 and the average from theaters being back open in 2021 and 2022. The number is right over $100 million for this past weekend, so it shows still a marked drop from where the box office was before the pandemic, and yet also a big increase from what we've seen after theaters have reopened. So this is going to be very interesting to track, and starting next week, you should be able to see that line graph because we'll actually have points that we can connect. I also changed the colors here a little bit. Some people said it was hard to see, so I changed uh, the 2015 to 2019 line is now blue. The 2021 to 2022 line is now red. And then the 2023 line will be kind of a dotted black line. So hopefully that'll make it a little bit easier to read for our viewers that have uh, color deficiencies and have a little bit of issue uh, seeing color on screen. But this is going to be very interesting to track. A good start, though, for 2023. A big jump up from what we've seen the last couple of years. Something I started doing last year was tracking the box office by season. So I basically break the year into three chunks of four months. We've got January through April, which would be the winter spring box office. And then we've got May through August, which is the summer box office season, which we track every year. And then basically September through December, post Labor Day to the end of the year, which is the fall holiday box office. So we're starting at the beginning of the year with the winter spring box office. And right now, make is there all alone. The, the movies that are on this chart are movies that have entered wide release, so A Man Called Otto should be joining this chart next week, but right now, Megan, the only new movie in 2023 that's entered wide release, and it is at the top of the domestic winter-spring box office with $30.4 million to be joined by other movies later. But the other thing that comes with doing the box office this way is that if I were to keep track of the 2023 box office the same way, then the winter-spring box office and the 2023 yearly box office chart would just be the same chart because those are the movies that have come out this year. So I'm going to kind of do charts in a rolling pattern a little bit as we go through the year just to kind of share the information differently. So I'm going to show you a domestic box office chart for 2023, but this will be calendar grosses for 2023, which basically means that this chart that you're about to see starts on January 1st and everything is at zero. It doesn't matter when a movie has been released. If it made money in 20. 
2023 than it appears on this chart. And we'll keep looking at the grosses this way until we roll over into a new season. And also because eventually the 2023 chart is probably, with the exception of maybe one or two movies, going to match the movies that actually came out in 2023. But right now, they're mostly holdovers from 2022. When we look at the 2023 domestic box office calendar gross, meaning these are the grosses since January 1st for all movies, Avatar The Way of Water has banked $116.6 million this year already, keeping in mind that the year is only nine days old. Puss in Boots The Last Wish is at number two with $32.4 million. Megan is a strong number three at $30.4 million, followed by Black Panther Wakanda Forever at just over $9 million. I Want to Dance with Somebody at number five with $6.4 million. Babylon at number six with $4.4 million. A Man Called Otto at number seven with $4.2 million. The Whale at number eight with $3.2 million. Violent Night at number nine with 2.6 million and the menu at number 10 with 1.9 million. So it will be very interesting to track this as the weeks go on because I suspect that perhaps until Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and even depending on that movie's gross and how well the Avatar The Way of Water does, it's possible that we could get well into the spring, maybe into the summer box office season, without Avatar The Way of Water being supplanted at number one, again, if Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania doesn't do incredible business and Avatar The Way of Water has great legs as we go into the rest of January and February. So an interesting way to look at the numbers, and that's kind of what I try to do here on the show, is I try to give you the same numbers that you can find elsewhere but put them in context and maybe present them in an interesting way. And before we get to other stuff, there was one last little piece of business that people had asked about from 2022, from the year that we just ended, which was the final market share. How much of the total box office pie did each studio get? And for much of last year, Disney, which has easily led the box office for many of the last 10 years wasn't even in second place because movies like Lightyear underperformed and Strange World and they didn't have quite as many theatrical releases well when you put out a movie that grosses about $400 million before the end of the year, that gets you a pretty big piece of the pie. And you can see that Disney did end up having the biggest market share of the box office in 2022. When you stop the grosses on December 31st, Disney and Fox, I, I say Disney Fox because even though they're one company, it's two studios, they did end up with 27.1% of all movie ticket sales in calendar 2022, narrowly beating out Universal which had 21.74% of all ticket sales. Paramount was bolstered by Top Gun Maverick, but didn't have quite as many breakout hits after a really strong early part of the year. They come in third with 16.52%. Warner Brothers comes in fourth place with 12.68% and a very topsy-turvy year for them. Sony had some disappointments and wasn't really able to close the deal, 11.83% for them. And then all other studios, that includes A24, Neon, MGM, other distributors, they get only 10% of the remaining box office pie. So once again, Disney maybe not dominating the box office landscape, but certainly getting the biggest piece of that business. And we will see if that continues as we go into 2023. Well, let's look at some other weekend charts for this past weekend, starting with the per theater average. And you see at number one playing in just one theater was a restoration of Bernardo Bertolucci's 1970 film, The Conformist. It brought in $11,498 playing in just one 
one theater. And then we had two wide releases, Avatar The Way of Water bringing in $10,561 in 4,340 theaters. I saw that its theater count actually went up this past weekend. Megan is at number three, bringing in just over $8,600 in 3,500 theaters. So a lot of theater owners very happy to see that business this weekend. No Bears is at number four. I believe it was on last week's show and I kind of blew through it. It's an Iranian film whose director, Jafar Panahi, has been imprisoned in Iran, uh, not for the first time. His works have been very provocative. He has been in jail before and he is currently serving a jail sentence. And yet his film still in release after playing the Venice Film Festival festival. And then at number five is Tom Hanks in A Man Called Otto playing in 637 theaters for a $6,597 average per theater. Looking at the top five films in limited release or specialty release, this would be 1,000 theaters or fewer. A Man Called Otto is at number one with $4.2 million. The Whale, which is still in 835 theaters, so below that threshold, brings in another $1.5 million. Corsage is at number three with $251,000 in 317 theaters. Theaters. Women Talking still very slowly expanding and still with a fairly slow box office growth for a movie with that kind of buzz. 29 theaters in its third week and a box office total of $142,000. EO continues an underdog play for Oscar contention. 62 theaters and a $79,902 total. And when we look at the limited release top 10 grocers for 2023, again, this resets on January 1st. So there are some 2022 releases that are on this chart but this is only money made after the beginning of the year. But A Man Called Auto got off to a quick start with a $4.2 million total in limited release. We will freeze that gross once that movie enters 1,000 theaters, but that's gonna go up some. The Whale bringing in $3.2 million, so about equally split roughly between 2022 and 2023 as it expands and as the awards season progresses. Corsage is at number three with $274,000. Women Talking at number four with $204,000. Empire of Light, another award awards and box office disappointment at number five with $179,000. EO at number six with $155,000. The Banshees of Sharon, which made the vast majority of its money, I believe over $7 million in 2022, still some holdover revenue in 2023, $135,000. Brokers at number eight with $102,000. Living at number nine with $65,000. And then Triangle of Sadness at number 10 with just over $50,000. Well, let's take the focus off of the domestic box office and look at the international box office, although most of it is still the same, at least when it comes to Avatar The Way of Water, which brought in $132.6 million in all markets outside of the United States and Canada. Puss in Boots The Last Wish is at number two with $25.8 million. Megan is at number three with $9.9 million. And I love the subtle difference in that poster versus the one that we get here uh, in uh, the domestic markets. It's just very interesting how they market movies differently from uh, place to place. At number four is a film called Operation Fortune Roost Again or whatever, I don't know how you'd pronounce that. It's directed by Guy Ritchie, and you might say, well, wait a minute, there's a new Guy Ritchie movie coming out? Well, there is, kind of, depending on where you live. It is currently being released only in international markets, and with the distributor of the film, which is STX, going through restructuring and everything else, it reportedly is headed to a streaming debut here in the domestic market in the United States and, and potentially Canada. So it's very likely that only audiences outside of the domestic marketplace are going to be able to see Operation Fortune in theaters. But yeah, a new Guy Ritchie film playing in many countries that are not the US and Canada. At number five is the Chinese film A Better Man. It brought in $5.8 million 
over the weekend. When you combine the international grosses with the domestic grosses, you get the worldwide grosses and Avatar The Way of Waters at number one with $178.4 million over the last three-day weekend. Megan is at number two with $40.3 million worldwide, keeping in mind that that's off a reported budget of about $12 million before you start paying the back end and profit participation, etc. Puss in Boots The Last Wish is a close number three at $39.4 million, followed by A Man Called Otto at number four with $8.2 million, and I Want to Dance with Somebody at just over $7 million. This is the part of the show where I like to take a look at a past weekend in box office history, but also pay tribute to people who have passed away, who have left a lasting legacy in the entertainment world. And there are always so many names and people that, you know, if the show was forever long, that I could recognize all of them. But I wanted to specifically point out two people this week whose names you may not know, whose faces you may not know, but whose work you most definitely know. The first is someone who passed away as I was preparing the notes for this show, and that is Mike Hill, who was an editor and who worked with director Ron Howard from Night Shift in 1982 through In the Heart of the Sea in 2015. So over three decades of work with Ron Howard, he, along with Dan Hanley, served as the editor on all of those films. The duo were four-time Academy Award nominees for Frost Nixon, Cinderella Man, A Beautiful Mind, and Apollo 13, for which they won the Academy Award. They also won a BAFTA for Best Editing in 2014 for the Ron Howard film Rush, which, if you haven't seen, is a wonderful film. Uh, and other movies like Pet Cemetery and Problem Child, not Oscar-winning movies, but movies nonetheless, and especially to people of a certain age, ones that made an impact in the cultural space. I am an editor by trade. That's how I started out in this whole crazy business to begin with. I wasn't supposed to be on camera. I was supposed to be cutting behind the camera. And to have a director whose filmography is as varied as Ron Howard's, and to have a pair of editors including Mike Hill, who are able to change the tone from the fantasy of Willow to the comedy of Parenthood to uh, the heavy drama of a movie like A Beautiful Mind to the racing scenes of a movie like Rush uh, and things like Ransom and Ed TV. It just about was every single genre that you could possibly imagine across the spectrum. It's not easy to find people that can edit to the tones and to the rhythms of each one of those genres. And it really is a skill that very few have. And Mike Hill was rightfully recognized and rewarded for it while he was alive, sadly, passing away uh, very shortly ago. Another person that I wanted to recognize, a name and a face, again, that you probably won't know, but someone whose images, I'm sure you know, is cinematographer Owen Roisman who passed away in the past week. He was nominated, Oscar nominated, for The French Connection with William Friedkin, The Exorcist, also with William Friedkin, Network, one of my favorite movies of all time, Tootsie starring Dustin Hoffman, one of the biggest box office hits of all time at that point, and then finally his last Oscar nomination in 1994 for Kevin Costner's Wyatt Earp. He was also the cinematographer on the original Taking of Pelham 123, The Stepford Wives, Three Days of the Condor, Vision Quest, Barry Sonnenfeld's The Addams Family. He was a former president of the American Society of Cinematographers, also a recipient a few years ago of an honorary Academy Award. Directors, actors, etc. get a lot of the credit, and they should, but you couldn't get any of that without the technicians behind those moments, and especially when you look at the Exorcist, or Network, or The French Connection. I mean, the, the action sequences in The French Connection alone, being able to capture that on film, which re-energized and, and showed people a completely new level of what you could do with a car chase. The, the, the look of The Exorcist, the, the creep factor of that movie, is so much down to how that movie looks 
Owen Roisman was one of the great painters. If you want to say that cinematographers are painting on film, Owen Roisman was one of the great painters of the modern era. And so even though you may not recognize that name, he has left an indelible mark on the history of cinema, as has Mike Hill as an editor. Both wonderful artists who also leave behind a filmography that will not soon be forgotten. And as always, my condolences go out to their friends, family, co-workers, collaborators, and fans. Let's take a look now at a weekend in box office history, and we're going to go back 25 years to when another James Cameron film was dominating at the box office in its third week of release, and that is January 2nd through the 4th, 1998, the first weekend of the year, and Titanic in its third week saw a 6% drop-off in business for a $29.4 million total in its third week. At number two was Tomorrow Never Dies. Also in its third week, Titanic actually narrowly beat Tomorrow Never Dies on both of their debut weekends and yet was handily beating the James Bond film in week three, a 32.6% drop for Tomorrow Never Dies and a $13.7 million total. As Good As It Gets was enjoying a good second week with a 3.1% drop. That movie was destined for Best Actor and Actress Academy Awards for Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt, a $12.2 million total. At number four, Nathan Lane's Mouse Hunt, also in its third week, a 13.2% drop for an 8.5%. $4 million total. And at number five, Scream 2 in its fourth week, a 19.8% drop and a $7.2 million total. And the most anticipated film of my lifetime, or one of them when I was a young, uh, just freshly minted 15-year-old when that movie came out. Of course, now we are on our sixth Scream film. That doesn't make me feel old at all. Of course, you know, we don't just look at these movies in box office pass. We also put it in the time machine and hit the inflation button to see what those numbers would translate to in today's dollars and when we hit the inflation button on this weekend we see that titanic would have had a 60.8 million dollar third weekend that really puts that movie's box office run into more context tomorrow never dies with a 25.2 million dollar total then as good as it gets right behind with 22.3 million mouse hunt at number four with 15.3 million and scream two at number five with 13 million. It will be very interesting to see what waves Titanic is going to make, no pun intended, when it re-enters the marketplace in February, because I will certainly be taking the trip back to see the remastered and the 3D, etc., because I haven't seen that movie on a big screen in 25 years now. I wonder how many people will do the same. Of course, this is the second 3D release for Titanic, so maybe people got their fill about 10 years ago when it last came out. Before we go, I want to take a look at the streaming charts to see what people are watching at home through the various different streaming services. And we will start with our look at the iTunes charts, where Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, despite still having a very long box office run ahead of it, is also entering the streaming world. It's available for purchase and premium video on demand, which is those high-priced $24.99 rentals. It's number one, though, on the iTunes chart. At number two is Ticket to Paradise, which has been on the chart, but is now available for rental, the $5.99 rental, so that's why it has that new tag there. The menu now available for purchase and good enough for number three on the iTunes charts just from people buying the film. Knives Out is at number four. The Woman King is at number five. Tar, my pick for the best movie of 2022, certainly my favorite, now available for purchase and rental on iTunes. So if you want to catch up on Tar, it's getting a lot of Academy Awards buzz. Now's the time. Triangle of Sadness is at number seven. Top Gun Maverick is at number eight. The original Puss in Boots at number nine. So I guess people wanting to catch up on the previous ones so they would understand what was going on in the new movie and then devotion available for purchase and good enough for number 10 on the itunes charts 
Let's look at the Netflix charts, and this is the last Netflix chart of 2022. This covers the day after Christmas to January 1st, so we will restart the clock on a lot of the numbers for 2022 after this chart. But as it was last weekend, Glass Onion dominating the most watched programs on Netflix by PFV or potential finished views. It's how I look at the Netflix ratings. I basically take the number of hours watched, I divide it by the length of the program, and it gives me the PFV or number of people that could potentially have finished viewing that program. Glass Onion with 127.2 million hours watched and a PFB of 55.1. Easily the most potentially finished program of the week on Netflix. Matilda the Musical coming in at number two, a new entrant with a PFB of 21.3. Then the Netflix original series Witcher Blood Origin didn't crack the chart its first weekend of eligibility, but a lot of people obviously catching up over Christmas week, a PFB of 19. Emily in Paris Season 3 is at number four with a PFB of 17.5, followed by the Netflix series Treason at number 5 with a PFE of 16.2. Wednesday continues to put up impressive numbers. Another 100 million plus hours watched week and a PFE of 15.9. Alice in Borderlands Season 2 cracks the chart at number 7 with a PFE of 8.8. Followed by the original Knives Out, which is not available for streaming in the United States but is in other countries and it did well enough to crack the chart with a 7.8 PFV. 7 Women and a Murder the Netflix original movies at number 9 with a PFE of 7.1. And then the movie The Invitation, another beneficiary of Sony licensing its movies to Netflix instead of having its own streaming service, comes in at number 10 with a PFE of 7.0. When we look at the most watched 2022 Netflix programs, coming in just under the wire is the Netflix movie Troll. It is now at number 9 with a total PFV of 93.0. The Man from Toronto drops off of the top 10 and there will almost certainly be another entrant on this list next week because I don't stop counting the numbers for 2022 release once we hit 2023. So Glass Onion will also be on this list probably next week. But for now, Troll is at number nine. The Man from Toronto drops out. Bridgerton Season 2 is bumped down one spot to number 10. And then you see everything else stays the same, especially Wednesday, which continues to build its lead as the most watched program of 2022. It has not yet surpassed the total hours watched of Stranger Things 4, but it long surpassed its PFV number. It now stands at 217.3 which when you look at the most watched Netflix programs from June 2021 to now, which is back when they started providing these numbers, Wednesday is quickly catching up to Red Notice for the number two spot all time. Red Notice stands at a PFE of 232.8. Wednesday's PFV is now up to 217.3. And if people keep watching it here in a week or two, we could well see Wednesday jump Red Notice to become the second most watched Netflix program since the summer of 2021. Because of when I did the show last week, which was on a holiday, Nielsen had not put out their numbers, so I could not do the Nielsen charts on last week's show, but that means that I have two Nielsen charts to do on this week's show, so let's briefly look at what people were watching. Now, keep in mind, these are delayed by about a month. Not all streamers are included, and this is for the U.S. only, but it does give us an idea of what all the streamers are doing in relation to each other. The first chart is for the week of November 28th through December 4th, 2022, which saw the debut of Troll on Netflix Easily the most watched streaming movie of that week, followed by Bullet Train at number two. Some other notable new entrants onto the list were My Name is Vendetta at number six, How the Grinch Stole Christmas at number seven, and The Swimmers at number 10. Looking at the most watched streaming shows for the week of November 28th through December 4th, Wednesday stayed at number one with 88.7 million hours watched. Again, this is in the U.S. alone and only on the devices that Nielsen is able to track. Firefly Lane debuting at number two on the chart. 
Crime Scene, The Texas Killing Fields enters the chart at number six with 12.2 million hours watched, and Manifest hits the charts again with 11.1 million hours watched. And then looking at the top 20 streaming shows, when you look at watch time per available episode for November 28th through December 4th, no surprise really that Wednesday is at number one with 11 point million hours watched per episode. Crime Scene, Texas Killing Fields is at number two with four million. The Santa Clauses, which has consistently been on this chart, even when shows like Andor have had had trouble charting this high 1.45 million hours watched per episode that was when four weekly episodes were available 1899 which has since been canceled on netflix its full run of eight episodes generated a good watch time per episode 1.18 million but not good enough for netflix firefly lane at number five the peripheral at number six coco melon at seven hbo max is the white lotus as it concluded its second season at number eight dead to me at number nine and yellowstone at number 10 when we look at the streaming charts for December 5th through the 11th, Bullet Train and Troll stayed the top two most watched streaming movies, although Bullet Train really took off 22.4 million hours watched to Troll's 8.6 million. Emily the Criminal, one of my favorite movies, underrated movies from 2022, debuted at number three on the chart at 7.3 million hours watched and actually had a better debut here in the U.S. than Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which debuted at number four at 6.4 million hours watched. Storks debuted on the chart at number six, Prisoners debuted on the chart at number seven, and then Scrooge, A Christmas Carol, as Christmas programming was ramping up at this time, debuts at number 10 with 4.7 million hours watched. Looking at the most watched streaming shows, Wednesday stayed at number one, 55.5 million hours watched, Firefly Lane was at number two, but a lot of Americans were tuning in to see the royal tea get spilled because Harry and Meghan put up 21 million hours watched here in the United States for its debut week of December. 5th through the 11th, Coco Melon at number 4, NCIS at number 5, The White Lotus as it wrapped up its season came up to number 6 with 12.5 million, and then Gilmore Girls at number 9 with 10.4 million coming back onto the chart. And then looking at the watch time for episode, Harry and Meghan actually supplanted Wednesday at the top of this chart, 7 million hours watched for each of its 3 available episodes, Wednesday a close number 2, 6.95 million for each of its 8 episodes, followed by Crime Scene, Texas Killing Fields, Firefly Lane, the Santa Claus is at number five. The White Lotus at number six, 964,000 hours watched per 13 episodes. Snack versus Chef at number seven. Coco Melon at number eight, 1899 at number nine, and Dead to Me at number 10. And that wraps up an extensive charts episode for this week. There was a lot to get to. There's a lot going on at the box office charts, a lot going on on streaming, and a lot going on at home and in theaters this weekend. First of all, this Wednesday and Thursday, Fathom Events is holding screenings of the Japanese film Shin Ultraman. I've read that one night will be subbed and one night will be dubbed, so check your local listings for that one. On Thursday on Netflix, Kung Fu Panda, The Dragon Knight Season 2 debuts, as well as Vikings Valhalla Season 2. Then this Friday, Friday, we get a few wide releases. The 2023 remake of House Party, which was supposed to be an HBO Max original and then wasn't, and now is in theaters, debuts this weekend. Plane, starring Jared Butler. It wouldn't be January without a Jared Butler release. It opens wide on Friday, as does The Devil Conspiracy, and then Tom Hanks in A Man Called Otto expands into wide release this Friday, and then there are several other movies that are entering limited release. The horror film The Offering opens in limited release, as does Alice Diop's film Saint Omer, which is France's official contribution to the Academy Award Best International Film Race. Skinnamarink, which is a very low-budget horror film, but which I've heard a lot about, is opening in limited release. I may have to go see that movie. And then also on Friday on Apple 
Apple TV Plus, season four of M. Night Shyamalan series Servant also makes its debut ahead of M. Night Shyamalan's new movie, which comes out next month. And that wraps it up for me here on Charts this week. Thank you so much for watching. I'll be back later this week with movie news, reviews, box office. Who knows what's going to happen? I want to thank Carbon Health, as always, for being a great partner here on the show. And I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. I'll be back very soon. Until next time, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye.